Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Don and Suzanne here with a very special friend of ours. Uh, gosh, Lisa, how long have we known each other? 20 years, maybe? 15 years? Yeah. Our boys have played sports together, been friends for a long time. and um, But really, but that's not why she's here, because she is an amazing psychologist who has... We're, remember, we're in our... If you listened last week, we're in our safe haven uh, portion of the culture series. And so uh, Lisa is a psychiatrist and been doing it a long time. So <laughs> I always get those terms wrong, but hey, um, introduce yourself. So well, yes, 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 for yes. Using that it's like, wrong. Yeah, it's like calling somebody a stewardess, you know. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm Lisa Pierce, Lisa Pierce Johnson, Lisa Johnson, I'm all of those things. And I have been in this community living in this community for over almost 28 years and started practicing in this community about 27 years ago. So I've been doing this for a very long time. I'm a psychiatrist and really the difference is that I can prescribe medicines, but so much I think of what I do is about the therapy part of it as well. Um, I don't see people every week, but it's never just about medication when they come into my office. And so I think maybe that makes me a little bit different than traditional psychiatrists. Yes, and um, Lisa's very good at what she does. The community we're talking about is the northern Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, you know, what What reason we brought her on, well, so many reasons, but the main reason is is because she has, over the years, talked to no telling how, how many thousands of teenagers. Teenagers are, what, 70% of your practice, right? Correct. So, so many teenagers that are troubled in some way and she needs to draw them out. And so maybe those teenagers haven't had parents that listen to them. And so we're going to talk some about the dangers of not listening as well as uh, just how to listen. I mean, she, that's her job. She draws kids out all the time and has so much insight into how to help you become a listening parent. So, um, yeah, I was just going to ask Lisa. Within that, I know that you're working with the child, but it's almost like the parent and the child come as a package deal. And so, do you? How do you empower and equip the parent to help the child through what they're going through? Well, first, when parents come into the office, I always say the chair that they're sitting in across from me is the hardest chair they'll sit in for a long time. We're supposed to know how to help our kids and what to do with them. And it's never if I'm working with the child, am I not working with the parents? And so, I try to align with them, like. I'm not perfect. This is a hard gig. Um, how can I help you better help your child? Um, so I just try to start by disarming them. And it's tricky because I want to have an alliance with the kiddo, but I also have to have an alliance with their parents. We've got to be on the same page about how to do things. So it's kind of this dance. And I always tell them, it may seem that I'm siding with your child. I'm really a parent first. They'll eventually call me mama psychiatrist, but I've got to let them know that I hear what they're saying. I hear their struggle but I also hear yours. So I try to start that right off the bat. And so when you're talking to these thousands of teenagers you've talked to over the years, and they're coming to you with serious issues, and, and maybe first of all, just talk about what kind of issues do you are you seeing on a general basis, if you had to kind of categorize? 
You know, I would say that I see a lot of depression and anxiety, but most of the times kids come into my office because they're not behaving correctly because they've done something that's alerted their parents that something's going on. Their grades are low. They're sneaking out. Um, they're not telling the truth and they don't come in to talk. They don't even want to be there. So I'm starting with somebody who doesn't expect any adult to listen to what they have to say about what's going on. So the tricky part is their parents want to come in and talk. And I've been known to put the hand up. Here's the stop sign. I really want the kids to kind of tell me their part of what's going on before I allow the parents to kind of give me their history. And that's hard because parents are frustrated and they're fearful. But, you know, kids, this is my thinking. They show us what's going on with them through their behaviors. And even when their behaviors are bad, and, and I always say, you're not a bad kid, you made a bad decision. So let's figure out how to make better decisions and what's going on. Once you kind of take away the label of you're here because you're this bad kid and, you know, you're a juvenile delinquent or whatever parents are out ready. And I also tell parents, my office can't be the punishment. Like, if you want them to talk, then this can't be. I'm going to take you to Dr. Pierce. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> well, and so, uh, you know, and parents, you know, by the time they get to your office, maybe they've done some things that cause that. But all parents are dealing with kids that they're trying to get to talk to them in some ways. And and I love it that you said that the parents uh, come in. You have to put your hand up because they want to come in and tell you all the bad things their kid has done. And which means they're not really listening. And that kid comes in, he doesn't, he or she doesn't feel listened to. Kind of what are the dangers is when you look at, you know, we promote to our parents to listen, but what are the dangers of not listening to your kids? And how do you see that manifested in the kids that you're seeing? Well, if you're not listening to your kids, they're going to find someone who's going to listen to them. And that probably isn't, it's not always a bad situation, but mostly it's their peers or it's people who don't have the life experience or really truly have their best interest at heart. They're looking for someone who's going to listen to them and identify with them. And we want that to be us over anyone else. So we have to start the listening process early on, even when they're talking about, you know, laughing too loud on the playground, that would be my son. I didn't really understand that. And I truly, honestly, didn't want to explore what that meant, but I knew that I needed to because who gets a detention for that? You know, but you have to start listening when they're seven, five, you know, younger, so that maybe when they're older, they'll want to talk to you, which means we have to talk less. And that's a hard piece. Yeah. And so when you, as you see these kids coming to you, um, what have their parents done to shut them down? I mean, you know, they, as these kids have gotten into increasingly more difficult behaviors, which is what a lot of parents, whether they're coming to you or not, we're, we're parents are seeing their kids getting increasingly difficult as they get older. Um, what are the parents doing that's shutting that kid down? The main thing they do is react. And, and to be really honest, sometimes their children are doing things that are very dangerous that even for me, I'm like, take a breath and breathe through this. And so before the kids can, before they can even ask them a question about what else is going on, they've kind of made an assumption that they know everything about what's going on. So they start to tell them, this is what you did and this is why it happened. And they just talk too much. Well, now you've shut your kiddo down. And they also are expecting that if they do actually tell you what's really going on, you've demonstrated to them that you're just going to blow up at them and yell and consequence and you know, one of the things I always tell parents is you get a do-over because sometimes our first reaction, maybe our second, is not the best reaction. It's not the reaction that we want. Calm down, take a step away, come back and say, hey, I wish I had done that differently. Let's start over again because I am interested in how this happened, what's going on, help me understand. 
That's so valuable. And we talk about that at Crazy Cool Family all the time, that we assume the kid has done terrible without really finding it out, without listening. And then we react. We, we say react, don't react, respond. That's what we're going after. And so I love it that, I mean, you're just affirming what we're even saying too and how we're encouraging parents that there is a way to pursue your child that will build connection. And it includes responding and not reacting. It includes asking for forgiveness. I love that. I love the um, verbal, the, ter the terminology, a do-over. Can I have a do-over? Can we, can we reset this and start over again? I know that kids just are probably washed with relief when parents come in humble and say that. Yeah. Do you, uh, so my question would be is that, you know, do you think that a lot of the kids that come in with negative behaviors, um, what is the approval of the parents, you know, the, and, and how, when they don't feel like they can measure up to those parents, how does that impact their behavior? And, you know, when they feel like they're not being listened to, that they can't, they can't um, do enough, if you will. You know, probably one of the more common things that kids will say is having this sense of feeling guilty. They've disappointed their parents. They've left them down. They can never do anything right. They start talking in all of these absolutes. And so, you know, I, what I say to them is, OK, you're here. I know you didn't really want to be here. And let's be honest, you're a teenager. You could have refused to walk in the door. So so here we are. And your parents are out there. And let me tell you, they're probably scared and not sure what else to do. But they had this expectation that everybody's going to lecture them. Everybody's disappointed in them, that they can't make a good decision. And they start to that starts to become their identity, which is exactly what we don't want. It's usually one or two episodes of not so great decision making. But a lot of times there's a backstory to that. But we don't get to the backstory if we immediately consequence, yell, scream, and we then talk in these absolutes and generalizations like you never make a mistake. Your grades are always and never. And we know better than that. But in in our fear, which is where we get angry, we say things and then we don't ever take them back or don't ever come back and clarify what's going on with us. Well, and I love it that you said we get to the backstory. And so let's as you look at, you know, the, as you think about all the interactions you have with parents and kids, how does a parent get to the backstory. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you do? Like, let's say for you, we get a lot of parents that are, Hey, I haven't listened well to my kids, you know, throughout their first 10, 12, 13 years or whatever. And now I want to learn how to listen to them. I want to build that trust back. How do they get, but they're doing these behaviors. I don't know why. How do they get to the backstory? So what I tell parents, you know, the do over is as much for the kids as it is for the parents. I'm like, it's okay to say, I think I haven't been a good listener. And, you know, what I tell parents is the moment you start feeling angry, get curious instead of furious. Try to understand, ask, like, help me understand instead of why. Why will get you in trouble? Because I'm telling you, their answer will not make sense to you because it's neither logical nor rational. So then you get right back into that cycle of why are you making these dumb decisions? But if you ask them to help you understand and say, I want to be helpful to you. Let's let's find a solution together. Um, I'm in here. I'm here for you. I'm going to listen. And then you have to do that. And it's hard. Sometimes you're holding your hands, you're biting your tongue. Um, I always say, just keep saying, help me understand. Help me understand. Don't ask why, because their why will take you right back to the beginning. That's interesting. Now, do you find so, that, yeah. okay, so these, I mean, you're dealing with kids that are messed up in some way, you know, and, and, and maybe not as, maybe not, maybe they've messed up more than some of the parents are dealing with. But in all these situations, 
Do you find that the teenager really wants to reconnect with their parents or are they so mad they can't do? I mean, how, how would you coach the parents of what their kids are thinking? You know, I tell parents that first you have to be able to tolerate that your kids are going to be angry. I mean, you're here, you're forcing them to talk to somebody they don't even know and about something that they're embarrassed about or shamed about and everybody's really angry. And so it's going to take a little bit of time. But what I tell parents is let, let's let's do this together. Let's let me let me show you what I'm going to do because they don't want to talk. The kids don't want to talk. And I tell them, like, look, we're here. Your parents are committed to being here for the next 45 minutes or an hour. So we can just look at each other or you can try to help me understand. And then I'll try to help your parents be listen to you about what you're saying. And so it's going to take practice and we're they're going to be good in here and then they're going to forget and they're going to mess up. And then you're going to remember that I said that was going to happen and you're going to give them the same grace that you give me when I'm talking to you. And it's going to take practice because no one's good at this right off of the bat. But I think they really... Their expectation is that we're not going to listen, even of me, knowing that this is what I do for a living. They still come in and have the expectation that they're going to be judged and I'm going to make some comment about how bad they are and I'm not going to listen. And so we have to kind of reset that expectation. And I say those words. I mean, we don't want this to be a big secret. Like, And what I say to parents is it's not some for some kids, maybe that works out well, but what what you're doing right now, everybody can agree it's not working. So let's come up with a different strategy so that they don't have to feel so terrible in front of their kids. Now, when they're not with their kids, I might say differently, you have to listen, which means you interrupted me seven times. You didn't listen to what they said, but I don't ever do that in front of the kid because the last thing I want to do is undermine a parent. But I always kind of throw out what you're doing isn't working. Let's let's try to find a different strategy. And so one of those would be, you just said, don't interrupt your kids. I mean, do you find that happens a lot when you're dealing with the, this frustrated parent and a frustrated kid that there's a lot of interruptions by the parents? It happens unbelievably often. Even when I set the stage and say, okay, the way that I do things is I want your kiddo to tell me their story about why they think they're here. We understand that why they think they're here may have nothing to do with why you think they're here, but we're going to let them tell their story because I think you're going to find out some things about what's going on if you just listen. And so many parents, like the moment they start to tell the story, they're like, that's not what happened. And I'm like, and we're waiting. We're waiting. And so sometimes I just have to put the hand up and say, okay, this is the stop sign. When this goes up, that means you can't talk. And I said, actually, I want them just to talk. And you can roll your eyes if you want to. That's not usually helpful. But I want <laughs> to just listen. And it's hard for them because sometimes their 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 child's perception of how things are are so different. But we learn so much from that. Like, whoa, okay. So the reason you didn't do the group project is because you're so afraid you couldn't find a group that you could belong to, and you were too embarrassed to go ask your teacher to put you in a group. And so, and the parents are like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, but they're 15 and they feel like, why doesn't anybody want me to be in their group? And I don't know why they then just decided not to do the project because they're stuck over here with, I'm too embarrassed to, to ask somebody I've been rejected. They're there. They haven't even thought about the project. And parents, they're like, oh, well, I didn't know. You have to listen and you have to try really hard not to roll your eyes and all that stuff that we want to do when you're like, that is not the truth. That is not how it happened because that we learn things. 
Wow, that's amazing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that is so good. That's so good. And I think that parents, well, and we, we say this all the time, they, they, they want to do what's right and they want to do what's best. But I feel like that we get in the way of ourselves as parents. And I mean, I can totally see that scene playing out because as parents, we're afraid too. We're fearful. We don't want to be rejected, you know, by our kid. We don't want to make, our, we don't want our kid to make us look bad. And so mm -hmm. that is a crazy dynamic that you're dealing with, that, that we're dealing with when we've got our own stuff, our own feelings as a parent. And then we've got this child over here that, you know, how dare them have their own feelings yes. and, you know, them, you know. Well, what I was going to ask you, so we, we, you talked about the area we're in, which is a fairly affluent, uh, you know, Northern DFW area. And you see a lot of kids, uh, you know, in different demographics, but I mean, how many of your, of the, you said 70% of the kids you see are teenagers and of those teenagers coming to you, how many would you say come from neglectful parents versus parents who are trying hard? I would say probably 95% of them are from parents who are trying hard and just aren't sure what else to do. They're not neglectful intentionally. Um, you know, and I have to be, I have to be careful because I don't want to then attach a, a moniker or label to them because they already feel bad enough being in my office. But usually they just don't know what to do. And some of it's family of origin, like, you know, you've been raised a certain way and and that didn't work for you, really. And it's certainly not working for your children. Or maybe, you know, my two kids are so different. I always, you know, I, I always use my kids as an example of how I'm not the perfect parent because I have the person who laughed too loud on the playground and the person who never spoke out loud the entire time she was in school. So it it really created this dynamic of trying to parent where one skill set didn't help the other. And so I share with them like, hey, I have to credential myself in front of my kids. You know, I can help you, but not them. It's hard. And sometimes we don't know what to do. So you have to take a breath. You have to rely on, you know, if I'm not making progress, if I'm starting to get mad, that's where Ronnie and I can, Ronnie's my husband, Ronnie and I can tag team. Do that with yourself. Have, have a, you know, have a meetup and, you know, kind of make a game plan. And then as you're going in there, you know, figure out how you're going to do that. Because usually kids will talk to one parent more so than they'll talk to the other. And that's purely based on reactions. Well, and the um, reason I, I reason, go ahead. You want to, no, I'm just going to just, uh, wow, moms and dads, did you hear that? If your child's not coming to you, then maybe check your reactions. Are you overreacting? Are you freaking out? Therefore, your child does not feel safe. And what can you do about it, parent, to get yourself in check so that you respond instead of react? Well, and I think this is such a great topic, you know, the reason I asked that question is because, and, and like a good lawyer, I thought I knew the answer, that, that, <laughs> that a lot of people are coming to you that are trying. We talk to our parents about this a lot. Get the right methods. Get the right, you know, if you learn to listen, learn to be encouraging, learn to, you know, because what you're doing is having an impact on your children. And a lot of these parents, a lot of parents are, are working hard at many of the wrong things. And if yeah. they'll work hard at the right things, it's not about working harder. It's about working differently. And so when you now let's kind of flip it as we kind of get through, we start to move towards the end of the podcast. But, OK, you've got parents in front of you, younger parents or parents of younger kids, and you get to mm -hmm. talk to them about what to do to avoid having someone in your office when they're 15 about whatever it is. In terms of what would you tell them? What would you tell them to do? To, to, what method would you tell them to do? 
You know, what I would tell them is to practice having the conversation with their kids. Be curious about the things that they're curious about. You know, be interested in their friendships. You know, don't only ask them about school. And that's the, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon, you're picking your kid up from school. You know, I'm guilty of it as well when they were little. I'm trying to figure out what the rest of my evening looks like. Like, what homework do we have? What grade did you make on your spelling test? Do you know the Bible verse that we've gone over 87 times already this week? You know, I'm. You know, what's happening is in that moment, I'm thinking only about me and how things are impacting me. What I'm not asking about is, hey, what'd you have for lunch today? And who did you sit with? And what grades did you, what, what things did you play on the playground? And, oh, did you have specials today? We know a lot about what goes on in our kids' day. It is very important to them, not so important to us, because I think for our littles, we get so caught up in academics and performance that we miss the opportunity to see the other really important things. I feel like the most important thing that you can have is a relationship. And I really push parents on relational things. Even if they're rewarding a kid, I want it to be like you let them go with you to to, you know, to Home Depot and they get to scan across that little scanner thing and they're doing it with you and you're building something that's going to take four hours instead of 30 minutes because you're going to do it together. You know, be curious about their relationships because that will give you so much insight into what else is going on. Um, teachers aren't always going to know if they're having friends um, or they're playing by themselves. I mean, I had one parent um, ask her child, we practice this, we kind of talked about the things she would ask. And what she found out is that Every day at recess, her child just took her book outside and read her book. And what was going on is she didn't know how to ask people if she could play hopscotch or she could play in the game. And so they practiced it. They did this little role play where she pretended like she was her daughter and her daughter pretended to be the friends. And it was a game changer. And But some of her child's behavior being really maudlin and kind of sullen when she got home and not wanting to talk had to do with her day was just so stressful. You know, recess was probably and lunch were the most stressful times ever because she didn't have anybody to talk to or play with. And then her grades started going down and she didn't want to go to school. And it was really kind of a simple fix. Like she didn't know how to ask how to play. Um, and if we don't get curious about the things that aren't that we don't think is being important, which are usually relationships and not grades. I steer all my younger parents away from don't ask about grades. Don't ask how they did on the spelling test. You know, you got the rubric about what work they have. So you know what you're going to do when you come home. Ask about the other really cool things. Like what's the coolest thing you learned at school today? Did you meet anybody new? Hey, are there any new kids? Things like that. And do you find when so you, good. when you, I, I was just thinking about this, like McCade, our 17 year old came in the other day and he was, all he wanted to do was tell me about the games they played at football practice, you know, just, and that was, that was, and, and once we started going, I just kept saying, well, now, and so often it's be like, how, okay, now how's that game played? And, you know, how many, how many guys are on the team, you know, and is this just, and, and the more I ask questions, the more it brought it out. Anything. But sometimes we get a lot of parents to talking to us about, you know, I just get one word answers. All I get is one word answers. So how does a parent at, at whatever age, you know, maybe it's or my kids are hiding things from me, um, you know, and I don't know how to stop that. And it makes it just brings out the bear in me to want to. So how do you deal with a kid who's hiding or not answering those questions? And what happens? How do you draw them out? Yes. Well, you don't ask questions that can be answered with one word. So I don't know how you say is because you can say fine. And so I tease the kids. I say, I'm like, fine means lots of really horrible things in the world of psychiatry. You can't say fine. Or I'll ask them, tell me about your day. What do you do? And they're like, 
the answer fine. And I said, okay, you have to answer in a paragraph. And then I, I'm pretty sarcastic and I'm real with my kids. So it's like, so for example, a paragraph may have three sentences. So you might ask me this and I give them an example and I'm being real snarky. And they're like, you're not acting like a psychiatrist. I'm like, oh, but I am. And so answer me in the paragraph because I ask you a question that can't be answered with one, an one question. So, you know, we ask kids, how was your day? Fine. Did you play with anybody? No. If you ask a question that could be answered with one word, that's the answer you're going to get. And then say, hey, give me a paragraph of your day. Tell me about it in a way, you know, tell me something beautiful. Sometimes they'll be really sarcastic, but you can be sarcastic and joking with them. And, you know, even say, well, if you ask me about your day, I'll, my day, I'll tell you this. I went and got coffee and then I spilled it when I walked out of the coffee shop. And, you know, you just have to be relatable and you have to be genuine and you can't accept the one word. Yeah, wait a second. Relatable and genuine, and and I would add authentic to that because that's what our kids are hungry for. They 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 rise up against hypocrisy. So we're over here wanting to hear about their day, but not sharing about ours. And that goes back to the relationship. Relatable. Do you find that that's a great question for? I love the idea of. Um, just at paragraph versus sentence or word as well. That's that's really cool. Which is funny because your two-year-old only talks in paragraphs and you're like, oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> that thing you're saying is relevant to my life. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and so um, how do um, the, uh, how does the parent um, uh, draw them out? How, how do they use their own stories and, and what's the back and forth like? How, how much do you tell? Because then I, I know what I'd do. I'd just start telling stories all about me, you know, <laughs> but I mean, and they just hear all about me and they'd be over here saying, I'm so tired of hearing about you. But how do they do Start that, that story, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Four <laughs> times in the last week. Sometimes I tell the parents, I said, why don't you tell them why you're asking the question? Because what they're expecting is, especially if you're doing it different, they don't trust it. Like every day you ask me about my grades and you ask if I know the da 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 Tell them why. It's like, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I, I, you know, I haven't been in school in a long time. So what is it like now? Actually, you find out information like they only have one recess. Who knew? I had three recesses. I mean, you find out about things about your kids and about how the school day goes. And, you know, they have to walk 15 minutes as opposed to just play that you might not know if you don't ask the questions. And so you start, from, especially when they answer one word. I'm only asking because I'm really curious because it's so different than when I was there. Um, and still, sometimes you'll continue to get the one word that you can't give up. So, I mean, so, so like if you were to take your the, the people coming into your office and you would say and you could look back and say, if these parents would have been relational, what words did you use? You said relational. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Engaged. Yeah, How many of those kids would not be in your office? A good bit of them. A good bit of them, because if your if your kids really think you're interested in what they have to say, even the small things, they'll tell you the big things. The other thing I think is that as they get older, you know, we don't just I think the time in the car is precious because then they're held hostage and they have to answer in paragraphs. But sometimes our kids will talk to us when it is hugely inconvenient, like when I'm about to go to bed and I can't think and I really don't want to hear about this relationship. Like, did you not know this at six o'clock this evening? But sometimes you just have to listen. And a thing that I used to do for my kids when they got older, because we did talk, we talked every night before they went to bed, which I felt like was a stall tactic. And I had to not do that because they would talk to me. And I'm like, I feel like you're not trying to go to bed, but okay, I'm going to listen. That carried over into adolescence. And then when they started driving, I made them come to my room to 
say goodnight, even if I was asleep. What I didn't realize is because we talked so much when they were little, when they came into my room and I just wanted to know they were alive and not dead in a ditch, they wanted to talk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm so grateful for that. I still have that now is when they're in college and I'm like, I don't even know what time it is, but I have to get up in a minute and they want to talk and you just put all your need for sleep aside and you listen, but you have to start when they're little bitty because they'll talk to you about the things that are going on when they're older. Then you don't have to have me trying to navigate that. And that's not to say that they won't make a bad decision, but maybe you will have learned to be a good enough listener that you get to the backstory before you have the reaction. Yeah, and I bet Ronnie's over there just sleeping away, isn't he? Snoring. <laughs> Me too. That's why I can relate because Suzanne does the same thing. She she has that midnight conversation. I'll be like, I've been in bed since 1030. So way to go, women. Way to go, wives. Good job. It's so good, though, because you're absolutely right that um, that teenager on up, that midnight conversation is gold. I mean, it is so valuable. It is, it's getting to their heart and it's hearing where they're, it's, it's helping them grow up. It's molding and shaping them, which is what we want to do all along when they let us in. But I appreciate what you said that that where that cashes out or where that investment starts is when they're three and four. I mean, we struggle to put our grandbaby to bed or Madeline struggles to put the babies to bed because, I mean, I think Truett would talk for three hours. He would go to bed at seven and he would be talking still till 10. And so that is so, so good, mamas of littles, to know that just give yourself a time frame, rearrange your brain, you know, understand that it's valuable and important and to just invest some time there. Well, and I think it's we wrap this up, I just want to, you know, one of the things you said is being relational, authentic, um, and how much listening and not reacting is, is a, is this standard of parenting that if we can hit it, we have so much better chance of, of having our kids stay out of the ditch as they get older. Wouldn't you agree with that? It's, it's so invaluable. It's so invaluable. And this, the saying that I took from you, I will, I will use forever now is get curious instead of furious. I mean, we say ask curious questions all the time, but when you add instead of furious, that gets rid of that whole, that whole front end of reacting. And so yeah. get curious yeah. instead of furious, it really defines it. So that's beautiful. So if it's patented, we'll send you a royalty. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Lisa, thank you so much for, um, you know, I should call you Dr. Pierce. You know, that's Most really, definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, but we've Pierce. known as Lisa for so many years. And, uh, and then just, just one thank you for all your work you do. I know you get paid for it, but I mean, just it's a labor of love. You know, you, you were telling me before that you really are a medical doctor who's yes. chosen to invest in the minds of kids. And, and minds and hearts of kids. So, you know, didn't like the, you know, she's, I, I don't know if you know this, she's delivered 47 babies in her life and, and done surgery and everything else. So, I mean, because uh, she has a medical degree. But I didn't when, like it. What's that? I didn't like it. It's too gory. <laughs> it's very messy. There's the sheer yeah. shock of it. But it's also so beautiful. Yeah. It's a miracle. So, but now you get to go into the gory details of the mind and everything else, which is also its own messiness. Well, and it's also a delivery, too. I mean, that's incredible. You're delivering freedom and peace and relationship. And wow. Yeah, just thank you for all your work in this community and just, you know, and uh, they, we go to church together. She's super involved in ministries and just has a great, great uh, kingdom oriented life and uh, a great family us, as well. 
to us though, you're 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 Jessica and Adam's mom. I mean, that's yes. who you are first and foremost. And you're a you're a safe parent. You're a fun parent. You are a sarcastic, snarky parent, which is absolutely hysterical. And you've got incredible, mighty children. And so that's what connects us at Crazy Cool Family. Don and Suzanne, yeah. parents of many, to you because we got to raise our kids together. And we're both very intense basketball fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I mean we were. Yeah, we we both have to contain ourselves at the referees and everybody else. <laughs> Basketball, on the basketball sidelines. So, um, <laughs> hey, thanks for joining yes, us uh, very much. Uh, I think this has been super helpful to parents. And so, um, uh, any, you have any, you have any final words? If you have one piece of advice you got to give to these parents, what would you say? Families and raising kids is messy, and it's okay to be messy and ask for help. Yeah, That's good. It. That's really good. Well, thanks so much. And uh, parents, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And as always, parents, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com.